In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome everyone to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 50th episode. That's kind of cool, isn't that? It's very cool. Yeah, of the show Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app or just tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last week's show, I interviewed Dan Magina, who helps people to identify their dream life and align themselves with creating it. And today, back by popular demand, is my amazing social media woman, T. Welcome, T. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, surprisingly well. And I guess a lot of it has to do with the fact that you and I just got to hang out for almost 10 days in the gorgeous area of west coast of France, in Capriton, Beer Ritz area. Listeners, you know mm. where that is. Yeah, we did indeed. Southwest oh. of beautiful France. And we, you know what I loved about um, the experience, T? There were so many moments, not so many, there were multiple moments where mm-hmm. we got to use our partner skills. <laughs> oh, yes, they were indeed. Yeah, I'd say many. <laughs> yeah, there was the, yeah, in, in a 10 day period, it was like, okay, there was the neighbor with that loud industrial tool when we were in the middle of filming, we need to yes. ask him to stop using it. That's a great story. And uh, he, yeah, he went uh, rather predator. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, or the agency with your roof, the predator woman who was refusing to come and yes, we're deal have with to talk the, about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. We'll talk about that. And then, oh, and then the restaurant. Remember when I Sunday brunch at the restaurant when I was like Miss Picky Picky and I wanted exactly what I wanted. And yes, they were. You got it. I you did. It. it wasn't looking good for a minute there. <laughs> yeah. You know exactly what you wanted and you got it. So it's very impressive to see how partner works. And I love it yeah. when we do get together because. When you come and spend time here, or if we do the, the retreat together, which we, we do once a year with the whole team, we it's a different, you know, it's a completely different experience to working online and being on Zoom and going out of the work environment because we can really see how the partner mode can be applied to everyday life uh, and the results and the positive outcomes that you get from it. So I'm just like happy and thankful that you came because I got a full 10 days training. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I see it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So listeners, this is why I call T my communication compadre. And T, I think today we're going to be picking up from the workshop I did last year for one of my clients on conflict. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. We've got lots of juicy stories to to share with the listeners from that. And also, Amy, before we dive into all of that, I wanted to um, have a chat to you about something you said whilst you were here. Um, my observation or interpretation of people in general was that they mostly go predator. And when under pressure. When under pressure. And mm. 
that that's probably coming from how I react. Maybe I don't know. Okay. And you said something that shocked me. It was that most or many go prey more than predator. So can you tell me yeah. about that? Yes. Yeah. So it really deter- depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. In the professional world, mm-hmm. people know that they can't afford to go predator, right? Unless they have the positional power or the hierarchy. Well, the hierarchy and positional power is the same thing. Yeah. Or they have some kind of influence that everyone else needs. They're dependent. People are dependent on them. Yes. Then they can get away with misbehaving. Okay, I see. Yeah. Other people, we just kind of know intuitively, and because what's interesting to you is people say, "Oh." Yeah, I, it depends on the situation. I would go prey at work and predator at home. Yes. And I that's true that. for many of us because okay. it's harder for them to get rid of us in the mm-hmm. home environment. That mm-hmm. does make sense, doesn't it? And I think today we're going to be talking about a couple of uh, instances, uh, home situations. And another thing you're making me think of, I also wonder if in the world at large, mm-hmm. um, people will go predator in public situations because they see it as a one-off. I don't know that person. I'm never going to see them again. So they will tend to misbehave. Like I have recently gotten slightly addicted to watching uh, those videos on YouTube of people misbehaving on airplanes. Wow. (laughs) And women misbehaving um, in racially heated situations. And yeah, it's fascinating. And you just see the sense of arrogance and privilege that happens and that's what will often trigger someone to go predator. So it's true that if we split it up percentage wise, people Mm. are going more prey though. I think there's a lot of circumstances where people allow themselves to misbehave and go predator. Okay. Well, it does ring a bell with me that some, there's a phrase you hurt the people you love most unfortunately mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it kind of links into the going predator and allowing ourselves to do that with people that are closest to us yeah yeah okay well should we jump into the questions amy sure so the first question is from a coachy called denise lee and the number one is what are the things that trigger you and bring you to conflict denise replied I'm that type who always tries my best, or so I believe, and hence expect a reward in return. This can be a simple thank you. When I'm not rewarded in some way or another, I immediately feel like prey. Self-doubts, frustration, and all that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I guess what comes up for me is I imagine that Denise probably feels resentful when she's not getting that reward as she calls it yeah i get it yeah yeah and the problem with that is for me that's an example of the risk when we're attached to an outcome Mm. because it will often build resentment i think we are so attached to wanting things we don't even realize it yeah and i guess i would describe that attachment it's not clean when we have a, a certain outcome we're expecting and wanting And it's not clean in the sense that, I mean, it's okay to want what we want. Mm -hmm. It's important to know at the very least when we're attached to an outcome so that we can prepare ourselves, coach ourselves so that if we don't get what we want, we're still able to stay partner. That for me is good enough. So it's okay to be attached to the outcome. It's Mm -hmm. the problem is what do we do uh, if we don't get what we want? So 
if I understand correctly, if we name the outcome and we think, right, this is what I would like to happen and then release it in some way. Nice. Well okay. said. Great. Or, or, and just, and just hold it, hold it loosely. Maybe is another way to say it. Say, okay, okay. I'm really clear. This is what I want. What I want. I may not get it. I'm not going to punish the other person or misbehave in the situation if I don't get it. Right. Okay. And well, I, you know, one of the things I've come across, a lot of people want other people to read their minds. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've often right. wondered, you know, because I've done it too, though, less and less I do it. And I think it's because either maybe the person doesn't have the confidence to ask for what they want. Mm-hmm. Maybe they think they don't have the right to ask for what they want. Mm. Um, maybe they're being super respectful and don't want to put pressure on the other person. And yeah. sometimes asking for what you want or not asking for what you really want. I think this could also be cultural, the way certain people are brought up. Um, That's not appropriate or acceptable behavior. Okay. Have you got an example of that? Mm. So like the British stiff upper lip, maybe we are we're seen or we think ourselves to be polite and wouldn't want to put pressure on somebody. So wouldn't necessarily ask for that help. Right. So you might hint indirectly and the person may not get the clue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good example. It's hard to ask for what you really want. Mm-hmm. And my belief is there's a much higher probability you'll get it if you ask <laughs> and ask directly. Yeah. yeah. And, and respectfully and kindly and let the person know, you know, this is what I would love to happen. And if it doesn't, I understand. Okay. That's a good you know, way. and here's the thing on the flip side, if I sense someone wants something mm-hmm. or asks me directly for something, what I do is I do a little self check, an assessment, mm-hmm. okay. whether or not I'm willing to say yes, because if there's a risk, if I, if I say yes to something and there's a risk, I'm not going to feel resentful mm. by doing that thing or agreeing to that thing for that person, then I have to be really brave and say no. Well, if I can, especially uh, if I, I'll look to see if I can negotiate an alternative solution that I can live with. That's brilliant. Yeah, I call it, you know, putting on your big girl pants and kindly declining. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how many of us feel like we've backed ourselves or been backed into a corner and said yes to something and never really wanted to be there or mm-hmm. do, do that thing? It could yeah. be really simple. Just it doesn't have to be a negative situation. Sometimes going out to dinner and you think, oh, I would love to have stayed at home on the sofa tonight. And then you can resent your, maybe resent your friends or whoever you've been out with. So what a fantastic thing. So self-check and assess. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, T, for, I know you have a wonderful 12-year-old daughter. And this is uh, in addition for other, for the listeners who also have children, this is a fantastic skill to teach them. Mm. To have them practice asking specifically for what they want or what they don't want. Okay. You know, like the idea we talk, we're getting more in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so people are becoming more aware of that children have boundaries then have the right to boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a child teaching a child to be able to say something like, no, I don't want to hug right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a little yeah. bit, um, still edgy and new. Mm. And I think that's so powerful. If we want our children to grow up, to be confident, to know that they're, what they say matters, that they will be heard and listened to and respected. 
then we've got to teach them how to ask for what they want, what they don't want. And then obviously, if appropriate, we respect that. Yeah, 100%. And this skill set is not taught in school. So emotional intelligence, isn't it? Yeah. And the cool, the, mm. then the great bonus for the parents is when we teach the skills to the children, our own ability to set boundaries and speak up for the self, ourselves, I think, also increases. Wow. So it's a win-win situation. For yeah, everybody. for sure. Fabulous. Yes, I'm definitely going to be putting that into action with my child, <laughs> who's definitely not scared to say what she thinks and what she wants either. Wonderful. Um, as she said, it can, it needs, you know, bounce off both ways. So fabulous. Okay. Here's the second question, Amy. What are the things that enable you to build resilience in order to manage conflict successfully? And Denise says she tries to let the issue rest and revert back to that the next day, or on the contrary, addresses the issue right away and resolves the conflict. So the flip side, either choice depends on the topic and her motto is choose your battles. Fabulous. So what do you? Well, I think it can take a lot of discipline to let an issue rest Mm. and wait till tempers are cooled down because Mm -hmm. sometimes we just, we use the excuse of being emotionally overwhelmed to blurt out what we want to say and that can be laced with a lot of insults and hurtful comments and maybe even accusatory statements that might not be accurate yeah you makes me think of what you said the other day when you were here about mm -hmm. Brené Brown who turns her ring around four times so that kind of action or because we say take a breath step back think about what you're going to say and realistically in the heated moment do we do that I mean, I think I'm guilty of just going until, Mm -hmm. you know, now I'm practicing partner. It's still a challenge. It's still a challenge. Yeah. And because honestly, it's also, at least for me, it's very satisfying to let loose and explode and accept when I do that, every time I do that, I'm reinforcing the wrong thing. I'm reinforcing Mm -hmm. a a predator response and creating and reinforcing that pathway in my brain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even sometimes can be incredibly satisfying, <laughs> except sometimes I can feel really bad. Well, we may regret. Yeah, for sure. Said. Yeah, do, I'm sure. Mm, okay. So we're going to jump into questions and answers that came from a, a lady called Maria. And she speaks about kid conflict issues. So that links quite nicely to what we were saying about the children. The question number one, what, things trigger Marie and bring her to conflict she said I have I hardly have conflicts in professional setting Mm-hmm. which is what you said Amy harmony in relationships is very important for me and I try to practice listening and understanding different views with all professional relationships so it sounds like she's got it under control at work mm-hmm. I have more examples of conflicts with my kids she says, I have a clear view of what's good for them and they disagree. Hmm, I know that. <laughs> the emotionally hardest discussions we have are with my 10-year-old and something to do with his screen time. Ding, ding, ding. Who doesn't yeah. know this? Who do, which parent doesn't have this issue? Right, right. Hmm. This one triggers for me, definitely, Amy. And, you you know, you, we've seen how I operate at home with my child. She has a beautiful life and, and quite some freedom. 
Um, and the telephone is really a bone of contention. You know, it's, it's just that, that one thing that we have to set set the rule for the timing and, and try and stick by it, which isn't always mm-hmm. easy, especially because I'm working from home. So mm-hmm. it can be convenient. What do you think? Um, I guess for me, the t- tricky part with kids is they play by their own rules. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see that, uh, they don't have the professional etiquette that a lot of adults force upon themselves, thank goodness. Yeah. And you know, you can't get fired from being a mom. So <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> yeah. you know, so they, they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, and I guess for me, there's, so, you know, some things that um, can work really well as mm-hmm. far as having the delicate, difficult conversations with kids when they are, when you're both cool, calm and collected. Mm, and talking advice. about, you know, what is it that, how would you like to be when you're in conflict um, yeah. and, and set up some ground rules and then also some consequences for both people, mm. parent and child, if you're not following them. I guess yeah. that, that's what I think of when I hear that. Wonderful. Thank you. And on a positive note, since I have been practicing partner, it's coming on for nearly four years now. I love the fact that my child mirrors that. So if I give you a really quick example, yeah, I was losing my stuff one day. I was getting <laughs> really angry. I can't remember what. I was, was. losing my watermelon. I was, uh, I was yeah, losing my laundry my detergent. <laughs> there you go. And, and I, I, I kind of remember raising my voice, probably starting to get angry with my child. And she turned around and said to me, Mom, I do not want to fight right now. And really? That's something that, that's partner for me. I've been, you know, she, if she gets angry and something makes her flip, um, then that's the phrase that I use. And she's been, she mirrored me and she brought it back home. And I just, it, it stopped everything in its tracks. I think I melted. I was like, oh, so refreshing to hear. Yeah. And it was like a massive slap in the face mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't expecting that. She's 12, mm-hmm. so it was, mm-hmm. for one, fantastic of her to keep her cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it, it was just a massive wake-up, like, and I, I respect that. I said, okay, you're right. We can talk about this another time. And it can't, it really diffused the whole situation. Well so done. And not advocate enough, partner y- with children. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, by you modeling it over and over, she mm-hmm. picked it up. Very cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So here are some of the things that Marie uses to enable her to build resilience in order to manage conflict successfully. She says she pauses and asks herself, is this really worth the conflict or is it better to let go? Fantastic. Mm. And I think I would, the things I would add would be write down the facts, really listen to the other person's point of view. And no, actually these are things that I think um, maybe even Marie was saying she was doing already. Yeah, she said she would write down facts. So that's fantastic. You, you, she'd obviously picked that up from your training. She said she wants to listen to the other person clearly and then take care of her own well being, which wonderful. Again, absolutely. Good, get good sleep, get outdoors into nature, do some exercise and eat good food. Yeah, so that's great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. It makes me think of one of your podcasts, Amy, that you did a few years ago. It was a great interview with your coachee, Anthony. 
And I can oh, Anthony, yes. Anthony. Yes. Anthony Tourson, I think mm -hmm. his name was. Mm -hmm. How about we play the first half of that interview? Yeah, I remember um, something that's interesting just before we uh, play that is that Anthony discovered he was prey mm -hmm. and he wanted to command greater presence and respect, which was a lot of why he was motivated to yeah. do the training and do the coaching. And I believe in this interview, he does a great job setting boundaries to someone very close to him. He does indeed. Okay, let's take a listen. Today, I'm here with Anthony Toisson, who is a senior IT security officer at the European Stability Mechanism in Luxembourg. Welcome, Anthony. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Amy. I'm glad that I'm here. You know, Anthony, I remember we met, It was the course was in April 2019, and since then you've been working a lot using this model, and I know you've shared some partner success stories. So what's one of the success stories you'd like to share with the listeners? I'd be glad to share that. True, in April of 2019, I took your course, and I remember on the very first day, you quickly spotted that I was a reactive person, both in my physical movements and in my communication. Yeah, I remember. It was like you would react so rapidly, like you were panicked or stressed, rather than being a positive reaction. That's true. When people ask me to stand up or sit down or lower my arms, I reacted right away. Got it. And in speech, when people ask me questions or ask me to do something, my automatic response would be yes. Yes, even before you knew what you were saying yes to? Well, before fully understanding what that meant. So, yes, that's true. So there was a, you were potentially overcommitting yourself to things that you wouldn't necessarily want to say yes to. That is true. Got it. Resulted in a lot of stress throughout the workday for accepting all of these requests. Right. Okay. Oof. Yeah. So what was your motivation to change this behavior? What was going to be the payoff for you? For me, I wanted to, to act like the partner mode rather than the prey mode. Because if I say yes to everything, people will see me as an easy prey that mm. would ask all the time to do things for them. Got it. And that overcommitting and always having to say yes is exhausting and can build up stress physically for us. Yes, that is true. Okay, so it's more about reducing some of the work stress and also commanding greater presence in order to get greater buy-in. I think that was one of the things I know you had talked about. Yes, I wanted to be more authoritative so that people would respect me both in meetings and in daily conversations at work. Okay, got it. All right, so tell us about one of the applications with the model. I decided to apply this model with my six-year-old son. And what's his name? His name is Nathan. Nathan, okay. Nathan. His name is Nathan. As with all six-year-old boys, he is impatient and would like to get whatever he wants instantly. Yeah, hey, I know some 56-year-old people who want that too, instant gratification. <laughs> right. Then what I did was my son normally asks for my smartphone and he wants to play for that. Normally before taking your course, I would immediately give the smartphone to him 
so that I cannot be, I wouldn't be interrupted with whatever I was doing. Got it. But I thought that was a selfish thing of me just to think of myself. And I saw this as a perfect opportunity to practice the skills I've learned in the course. Okay. So when my son Nathan asked me, Daddy, can I use your smartphone? I thought about it for a moment to check if it's really the right time for him to play with a smartphone. Brilliant. I was tempted to give it to him right away. Sure. But I thought that maybe he could learn some patience as well. So what I told him was that, Nathan, please read your book before you can play with my smartphone. Wow. And I love how clear it was. You used his name even in a father-son relationship, that's a form of respect. You made a statement with a down inflection, so you didn't allow it to be a question because if you said, Nathan, how about you read your book first? Then he would have thought, oh, we can discuss this. This is up for bit debate. Maybe I can convince Daddy to give me his phone. So you made it so clear and so sure with that down inflection that it, it really carried that air of authority. And we, we all know that it may still not work, so what happened next? That is true. I, I had to do that because knowing Nathan, he would have said, no, if it were a question. <laughs> now, what happened next was I felt he was uncomfortable with my response because he was not used to that. Sure. He said, oh, so that's his way of saying no and also using emotion. Right. You know, to appeal what, uh, whatever I, I said. Right. So, oh, daddy loves me so much. He doesn't want to see me in pain. He'll give me his phone if he sees how much I'm, in, I'm hurting. <laughs> so what went to my, through my mind at, right there and then, was I going to soften up or give up? Or was I going to be persistent in what I am asking him to do? Wow. So you were really present throughout this whole exchange. Yes, and it pays that it happens in a low-stress environment, yeah. so I could think clearly. Right. So what I did, I said the same thing over again with the same tone, with the same downward inflection, using his name also. And so here, it, we call that the broken record approach. So you said it a second time, and then what happened? Nathan said, oh, but he went, went to take his book, and then sat down to read his book. So he didn't have a, a tantrum. He didn't get really upset. He showed he was still disappointed, and he acquiesced. He agreed, okay, this is the way it's going to be. I accept. Yes, that is true. I know he was disappointed, but he had to do that. Right. So that's true. He did not have any tantrums. He just followed what I said. Brilliant. You, what, did you, what went through your mind right after that happened? I thought, wow, it's amazing. It never <laughs> happened like this before. Uh, I know if I soften up a bit, he will say no. He will persist on getting that smartphone. But since I was adamant and I was uh, forthright in what I am asking him to do, then he was able to get the message and did as yeah. he was. Yeah. Also, congratulations for tackling this now when he's six and not waiting till he's 16 because, oh boy, would that be difficult. <laughs> that was what I thought as well. From this 
scenario, I learned boundaries and I wanted Nathan to learn boundaries early on so that he will carry with this, uh, this with him for the rest of his life. Well, that's a, a lovely motivation to stick with the developing the behaviors so they become natural. Oh my gosh, what a perfect student of yours, Amy. He really did apply all the partner skills. Downward inflection, using Nathan's name, the broken record approach, while practicing in his low stress environment. I'm so impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very cool, the way he set boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic example. Okay, so let's get back to Maria. Here's an example of an unsex- unsuccessful conflict that she had with her son. She says, on a weekend, I noticed that my son has been on the computer for several hours. And you know what, T? Yes. I'm going to suggest that we uh, pause here. Mm -hmm. We go to a break and we come and jump into this because I think this is going to be a very juicy scenario for listeners. Okay, Okay. let's pause here. Mm -hmm. And listeners, um, when... We, when we come back, we'll talk more about boundary setting. Now, if you want to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You'll find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbours that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. My guest today is Talitha V, my social media gal and sidekick. Now, We should point out that uh, for those of you watching the video of this radio interview chat, 
Uh, you'll notice that both T and I have different backgrounds and different hairstyles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, um, we, we had, due to many technical challenges, we weren't able to finish the show uh, when we started the recording. So we're back today to finish up. Um, and in the first half of the show, we talked about setting boundaries and staying partner with your kids. We did indeed. And didn't you say, Amy, that you had a book re- recommendation from your sister, Pat? Yeah. Boundary Buffs by Terry exactly. Cole. Let us know what that's about. Well, I haven't gotten to read it yet. It's actually on my reading list for the end of the summer, which I'm excited about. And what Pat told me was the book's supposed to be amazing, and off, or she says it's amazing, and it offers a specific set of skills for setting boundaries in a healthy way. Mm. Yeah, it's not something that we learn naturally. So I think it's great that we can get uh, some education through that book. Fabulous. Can't wait to read that. Add it to my list too. (laughs) So how about we get back to Maria? Yes. Okay. So here's an example of an unsuccessful conflict that she had with her son. Mm. She had written, on a weekend, I noticed that my son has been on a computer for several hours. I go into his room and give him five seconds before I pull the plug. He doesn't have enough time to finish what he's doing and I pull the plug anyway. This results in yelling. He's furious and frustrated, and I'm sad seeing him so angry and disappointed that I couldn't handle the situation better. This is ringing bells. Also, the resulting behavior isn't him going out to play with his friends, as Maria would love to have him do. It's him sulking in his room and rebooting the computer as soon as I leave. It makes me sigh just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. I can relate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet. Oh. Screen time is a big issue for many parents these days. So please give us some advice. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I suspect Maria could benefit from using some of Anthony's approach that we heard about earlier with his son. Right. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, my, my, I'm imagining that she would calmly make a request for her son. Now, here's the thing. Anthony's son was, is, I think he was six at the time. Maria's son is 10. So Mm. this would have to be customized for that age. Yeah, sure. Um, Though, let's say I was, I was coaching Maria's son, Maria Mm -hmm. on her challenge with her son. A recommendation I would make is that she would sit down with him though in a moment when she's not frustrated by his behavior or he's not doing the behavior that she wants him to stop. Okay. So it's got to be in a an un a, a moment that's not directly uh, a moment of challenge or frustration. That's good advice because we often, as parents, want to sort everything out on the spot and then move on to something else. So we actually okay. have to go back to the situation and sit down calmly with the child. That's yeah. what you're suggesting. And, you know, and even to say, "Hey, Jeremy, uh, you know, um, can we find some time to talk later today?" or um, tomorrow morning to, I want to see if I can find a better way for us to work through the frustration we have, um, around screen time, you know, so Mm -hmm. she just lets him know directly what she wants to talk about. And then in that actual conversation, she can let her, let him know what her expectations and boundaries are regarding screen screen time. And then ask him, you know, what, what do you think about that? Does that work for you? If not, yeah. why not, you know, and just giving him time to be to sound off. 
to sound off, to be heard. Mm. Awesome. Great advice. And I think she also, what's really important, she needs to clearly let him know what the consequences are if he crosses the line. Yeah. So Agreed. it's not a surprise in the moment. Mm-hmm. And this way, you know, there's no surprises when Maria enters the room and she tells him screen time is over. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing, T. Um, I think Anthony talked about this, about using the broken record, broken record approach. And this is essential and in the moment that Maria would use it. And it also works well with adults. <laughs> Tell us about that again. Uh, all right. Well, let's do a role play. Mm-hmm. You be Jeremy, the 10-year-old okay. son of Maria. And right. so I would say, Jeremy, the screen time's over now. Please shut down the computer. Oh, Mom, I don't want to. I know, sweetheart. Screen time's over. Oh, no, I don't want to do that, Mom. I want to carry on playing my game. Mm-hmm. I understand it's frustrating. And we've agreed. So it's time to shut down the computer. No, no, I'm going to finish my game. Jeremy, my request. Mom, it's not fair. Please, 10 Mm. more minutes. You're right. It's not fair. And I'm guessing it's frustrating. (sighs) And it's what we've agreed. Okay. Thanks, sweetheart. (laughs) And that rang bells. I felt like I was actually my daughter. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Pushing back, pushing back, negotiating more time, more time. (gasps) Right. So (sighs) I call that a little bit smoke and mirrors that they're going off on tangents and Mm -hmm. don't. You, you have to discipline yourself not to chase it. And what I did was I offered you a little bit of empathy of, I know it's frustrating. It's, I understand. Yes, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Yes. And this is, and you just keep going back to the original message. Okay. And this can work in a business environment too, Amy. It's crazy. And it's yeah. a, one of the reasons it works well for kids and adults is that by this person, the role play, the role that I played, mm. where I'm repeating my message consistently, I'm doing it calmly and respectfully. Mm-hmm. So when it's calm and slow, it's hard for the other person to hold on to the agitation. Sure. And when it's calm, and I'm not showing my, even if I'm feeling internally annoyed or frustrated or fed up, I have to really play the role of the adult. Even if mm-hmm. the other adult in the business environment is not behaving, mm. that's, yes, it's not fair for me. And it is the current reality. So my job is to stay in the role of the adult, remain respectful and firm and consistent. Mm-hmm. And that person feels the respect. Okay. And they also realize, wow, you know, I'm misbehaving, she's not, and they're more likely to recalibrate their own behavior. I'm going to give it a go next time. <laughs> and I'm curious, T, when you were playing the role of Jeremy, what did you notice as I was responding to you? Well, it's the fact that you keep very calm. The, there's no kind of push and shove. There's no, you're not jumping into the, the battle, onto the battlefield, as it were. Eventually, it really is the broken record, the same thing again and again and again. And that neutral position, it felt very neutral, so I couldn't really go anywhere. Oh, interesting. I like how you say that you couldn't go anywhere, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the space. I'm not, 
you know, showing agitation in the voice or, or sending threats. It is just mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. Now, and the thing is, right after that exchange, Jeremy is not going to be thrilled with his mom. And he might even sure. give her the cold shoulder for mm-hmm. you know, a couple hours. Though Maria can be proud of herself for setting boundaries appropriately and respectfully. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Shall we move on to the next conflict uh, triggered situation with Adriana? Okay, we asked her what did trigger her to conflict. And she said when people aren't listening or if people aren't reading the information she's already provided in an email. Even if she sent the email and they received it, they don't understand. So some kind of communication breakdown here, right? Well, one thing for Adriana to pay attention to is she's making assumptions, which Mm -hmm. all of us do. We just aren't always conscious. We just, we do it so quickly. Yes. And so she wants to be aware that she's, and what's worse is she's making a negative assumption Mm -hmm. about what people did or didn't understand and, or ask questions to gather more information. That's a a way she can realize, oh, I'm making an assumption. Let me ask what it is they're understanding or not understanding. Mm. And that will move her from facts and out of assumptions. Okay, great. Assumption can be uh, a huge problem, a big issue. We've got to avoid assumption for sure. Well, the, though, though, let me be clear to you. I don't think, I don't know, though I don't think the human brain can avoid assumptions. Mm. So a strategy, a workaround is pay attention to the assumptions you're making. Okay. And then ask yourself, is this serving me or not? So if I'm and making you, a ne- negative mm-hmm. assumption, then I'm yeah. probably going to get defensive or agitated. Okay. So catch it, see if I can make a different assumption, mm-hmm. or see if I can ask questions to get more clarity. Perfect. Great. Okay. And some of the ways Adriana builds resilience in order to manage conflicts successfully, she says, when she understands people's behavior in a concrete way, and the reason why they do what they do, this enables her to build resistance. And that is when she says, when she understands that's her making up a different story or mm-hmm. you know, getting information to yeah. eliminate the assumption. Excellent. Great. So next we asked Adriana for an example of an unsuccessful personal or professional conflict she's experienced. And she says, I'm not sure if one of my customers really understood the huge effort we were making to supply them because they were still pushing for a closer date, even though I'd explained the reasons why we couldn't change things. This created conflict between Adriana and the customer. So what could she have done to avoid that, Amy? Uh, when this happens, I encourage people to use the broken method approach that we mm. earlier. Yeah. You know, I wish I can do this for you. Unfortunately, the deadline is firm. Something simple mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And just stick to that. Stick to their guns. Mm-hmm. Keep repeating. Great. Okay. We're going to move on and look at what triggers Federica to enter into conflict next. Federica made us a little list. She says threats, repeated insults, shouting, bad language, repeated intentional bad manners, and mean behavior move her into conflict. Wow. I don't know where Federica works. That sounds uh, pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I would say is first, she wants to make sure she's showing up as a partner, not Mm -hmm. as a prey or as predator, because a prey or predator is going to trigger those kind of behaviors also. So Mm -hmm. she can have more power than she realizes. Mm. Second, when someone's misbehaving, pretend not to notice Mm -hmm. when the other person's being difficult. Third, consider setting limits on this inappropriate behavior. 
Maybe that's something we can talk about more in another show. Absolutely. Uh, what should we do? Should we listen to the rest of Anthony's podcast now? Because I'm aware of time. Yes. How are we, how are we looking for time? Yeah, we only have, we have a couple of minutes. Yeah. Okay. So we have the second part of the show. Okay. But the second part of the podcast with, um, with Anthony. Should we, should we let listeners hear that now? Yes, let's do that. Okay, great. Well done. So now I'm curious to know, Anthony, how this has also played out for you in your professional life. Because I remember in the program, by day three already, you were integrating a lot of these skills where you were physically responding versus that you know quick, reactive, almost rabbit-like energy. There was much more of a calmness. So what have you been noticing in the work environment? In the work environment, when I walk through the hallways and when people ask me questions or ask me to do certain things, now I feel that I am empowered to say yes or no. That would be my choice. And therefore, I can be free. I would have less stress throughout the day. And people would understand, would accept my response. Wow, that's brilliant. And so have you had anybody who's fought you on that or pushed back or resisted? Oh, there were times that people still wanted it, but I had to, and I had to, to stand my ground and say the reasons why I cannot take on that work anymore. And they would understand. Wow, I I love hearing that. So it sounds like it was, I'm guessing, maybe a little bit scary where you had to stand your ground, and yet you're such a reasonable person that the explanation was a valid one. That is true. It's a scary, scary for me to, to do that because I didn't know how they would react. But I had to, and I had to uh, do it the first time. Once I have done that, then you've gone through the, the hill. Yeah. And it would become a little bit more and more second nature as time passes by. Okay. So what I'm hearing is by being bold and brave and daring to do it, the, the courage, the confidence also increases in the future going forward do, to do it again. That's correct. Nice. Grows, grows more and more moving forward. Okay. So how else have you been applying it in the work environment? In the workplace, I did receive feedback that I tend to give long introductions during meetings. Got it. So, attending the meeting, got impatient or bored when I gave give my introductions. So since I took the course, I learned that speaking slowly and deliberately with emphasis makes better communication. This forced me to choose my words caref carefully so that I can say things in shorter statements rather than the previously long statements that I made. Yeah, and what I've been noticing today as we've been talking is it's not that you're speaking really slowly as much as you're keeping your sentences short and there's these little micro pauses which make it really easy for me to digest everything you've said and, and, allow, and creates more patience within me as the listener. Oh, thank you. Excellent. So have you gotten, what have you noticed precisely in these meetings since you've been using this new 
way of introducing meetings. I noticed that people are less impatient in the meetings because I can get to the point very easily in 30 seconds or less. So we could get on with the meat of the meeting. Congratulations. Finish earlier. Yeah. Wow. They must be thrilled. Yes. Everybody is thrilled if you finish your meetings earlier. That right. Back and a few minutes. Anthony, I also want to give you a compliment because somehow you got, someone was willing to give you that feedback. And as a senior person, people don't always want to give feedback that is considered negative or critical. And so is this something, have you consciously asked people for feedback or do you feel like you've got enough of a rapport with them that they're willing to say it? This person or these people who gave you this feedback, how did that come about? It's true that it's difficult to give feedback, especially if it's negative. This happened in the context of a mid-year performance review. Okay. Discussing my boss. Yeah. Okay, I'm delighted to hear that. And one thing I'm going to encourage you to do if you're not doing it already, and this is really powerful for the listeners, we don't always want to wait for the mid-year review because that could, that could be a long time, and sometimes we won't get the feedback. So if you're not already doing it, Anthony, I'm going to encourage you to proactively check in with people, say, hey, what do you need to tell me that you don't want to tell me? Or what, in your opinion, what can I do more of or differently to be more effective? And just by asking those kind of questions, one, they may say nothing. So you might have, you know, oh, well, everything's fine. So you might have to ask it once every three or four weeks so they know you really want to hear it. You really need, you're really interested, even if it's uncomfortable to say. And that way you're creating your own feedback loop and you're also developing a reputation within the organization as this is a guy who's not afraid to hear something that's uncomfortable. I think that's a very good idea, Amy. Rather than waiting for six months to get your mid-year review, you can do it every three to four weeks or every month. You can get yeah. And the cool thing is, is that it's possible that you'll start creating a proactive way for people to show up, that they'll come to you even if you haven't been asking them if you do it frequently enough in the beginning. I think that would be the result if people see that you're open to hear feedback, negative feedback. Excellent. So Anthony, before I let you go, I have one question for you and you get to give me this answer to me in 30 seconds or less. (laughs) So we can practice your concise speech. What is one piece of advice or one tip that you would give to listeners for staying in partner under pressure? That is a good question. To stay in partner mode, I would advise that people deliberately and consciously picture themselves acting in partner mode. At the beginning, it will feel unnatural. Sometimes you might find yourself forcing yourself into it, but when you've done the first one, the succeeding ones would be easier. Excellent. Yeah, and that deliberate and conscious, what I'm hearing is when you're practicing, don't just hope for the best, carve out specific time to do it, and then do it regularly. Yes, that is true. Even sometimes rehearsing the conversation in your mind before it happens so you know what to expect and be able to respond appropriately. Brilliant.
don't you love that one of the payoffs uh, that Anthony talked about is that people are being less impatient because his meetings are shorter. Yes. Love it. Yeah. I also noticed that he corrected himself several times because he's moving out of using the word, but um, to reduce res- uh, conflict or. Mm-hmm. And so he, you'll hear he's corrected himself several times. Fantastic. Yeah. What really stood out for me was Anthony's tip. Consciously picture yourself in partner mode and keep practicing. Rehearse conversations in your mind prior to engaging with the person. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So, yeah. So let's um, move to, we're going to wrap up the show now. And Mm -hmm. T, what was one of the call for actions you have for listeners today? Well, just before we go into the call to action, I know I wanted to tell the story about you helping me deal with the agency and the problem with my roof. So can we please pick up on that on the next show? Can you remind yes. me, Amy, to do that? Oh, that's a juicy You coached story. me, and it was awesome. Okay, uh, my, okay, great. My call to action this week is for people to rehearse important conversations, as we just said and we heard from Anthony's podcast. Set boundaries with everyone, especially with your children. And my, I have a couple call for actions. Um, consider reading the book Boundary Boss and another book I just finished on holiday the last week is called Brave Not Perfect. Mm, interesting. Yeah, she's got at least, um, like at least 10 different ways to actively build bravery. And here's just a couple that we can talk about or mm-hmm. uh, mention. Actively seek out feedback. Start before wow. you're ready. Take mm-hmm. on a physical challenge. Yes. And last Sounds good. listeners, I'm going to encourage you to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes via email or social media. And T and I will talk about them on future shows and make suggestions. My email is amy at carolcoaching.com. And be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I'm be interviewing Tyus Gibson, who's an author, speaker, and co-creator of the Personal Development School. Tice is extremely passionate about personal growth, the subconscious mind, and connecting with others. Be sure to tune in for this episode on August 20th. Check out my website, my website rather, uh, or connect with me on social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. And if you're game for more, I'll be hopping over to Facebook Live for, uh, that's going to be five minutes past the hour, for a short debrief on today's show. Thank you, T. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Amy. Looking forward to the next one. Super. Thanks, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.